0: Good morning. Good morning. I give honor to our God who is the one supremely worthy of praise and glory and I magnify him Father, Son, and Spirit, the one eternal God. Think of the words of the doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him all creatures here below. Praise him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And we do magnify him. i thankful to be with you brothers and sisters and I'm glad that so often as I think it's been really always the case just about when I've been with you that Terry's able to join me. Of course she joins me in a somewhat different character this morning as many of you have acknowledged she is now a graduate and uh, we do want to recognize that because uh, it's commendable and I'm glad for particularly she kept on keeping on till she uh reached that goal of graduation after her many years of uh, study there. She started out at Bob Jones in college, and then when she got her MRS degree with me, uh, <laughs> she, she went on to uh, Piedmont for a little while. But in between, before I actually awarded her that MRS degree, she took some courses at Foundations Bible College in Dunn near her home in Irwin, and uh, even took Greek and occasionally she would say kurios, the word for Lord for me. <laughs> but uh, in any event, we, we're we thankful for what God has done in blessing her. And, um, I, you know, I just would like to point out that in her last courses taken through Georgia Baptist College, she had what I believe is probably a very exceptional professor, <laughs> her husband. <laughs> uh, we, the, the school was so kind to let her... Uh, Take her three of her Bible courses under me Romans and then Systematic Theology 1 and 2. And uh, then Sister Jamie had one course that she had with education. So I'm glad that we were able to. She said she enjoyed studying with me so much, she thinks she might get a master's. (laughs) (laughs) So we'll see. But uh, anyway. What's that? Tell them what grades you got. In. Well, I'll let you tell them that after <laughs> I finish. I've got the platform right now, dear. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she she did very well. I'll say that, and I uh, I'm glad for her study and for her completion of that. And where I used to joke with her that when she was taking courses at Piedmont that she would probably finish when she was a grandmother. (laughs) I didn't realize I was speaking prophetically then. But but in any event, we do commend her for that. And I'm glad that, as always, when we've been with you, she's she's, uh, been able to join me once again. I want to invite you to turn to Psalm 100, if you would. As we look to the Word this morning and the Sunday School Hour, I uh, certainly... Many needs before us for prayer. but as we consider the matter of prayer, we also want to think in terms of of what uh, is a a blessed privilege as well as a duty and responsibility of God's people, and that's praise. Uh, psalm one hundred is a familiar psalm I note to all of you. It's one that I remember mem- memorizing as a as a youth and I even have a Bible marker I still use that has Psalm 100 written on it. Uh, I can remember in youth groups singing it, Psalm 100, and uh, we uh, just feel it's appropriate, though, that we turn our attention there. Morning, Judy. (laughs) Psalm 100, uh, because of the fact that a very notable day in our country's history is coming up this Thursday. That's Thanksgiving Day. Sadly, it's leapt over by our country now, at least in the retail and restaurant world, because of the fact that, I guess, you know, you can't sell as many pictures of pilgrims and turkeys as you can Christmas trees and elves, you know. And so we go immediately from Halloween into Christmas in the retail world, and sadly, I believe, much of our own country's life Even though Thanksgiving is still a recognized national holiday, it's become for some Turkey Day and football day. But for us as God's people, every day ought to be Thanksgiving Day. You and I ought to be a people who give Him glory. You and I ought to be a people who give Him praise. And Psalm 100 is a a good portion to look at, I think. Let's just read it together. The inscription reads, A Psalm of Praise For the Lord is good, His mercy is everlasting, and His truth endureth to all generations. May we just pause and ask our God to bless His word to us. Father, we bow in Your holy presence in the name of Thy worthy Son. And as we do, we honor You and we bless You. We would do what we are called to do here in these words and we would enter into Your gates with thanksgiving and into Your courts with praise. We thank you for your blessings. We praise you for who you are. We ask you now, by your Spirit, to bless this portion to us. May your Spirit guide our minds, not only in understanding, but Lord, in applying what we read, that we might be a people of your praise, that we might recognize you as the God of our praise. Father, we pray in the Lord Jesus' name. Amen. Brothers and sisters, as we look at this portion this morning, I I want us to think about it. And if I could present it to you in terms of what we read here in Psalm 100, I'd like to speak of it as praise personified. Praise taking on personal characteristics as it's presented here. Some years ago, it's been back in the 80s, uh, Judy's uh, with us, glad to see her. Her uh, husband, Sammy, who's now with the Lord... His father, James Basham, was a dear brother and friend. He and I went over on a Friday, I believe it was, to Shining Light Baptist Church in Greensboro. Jimmy Dillon was there for many years, and they were having uh, special jubilee services, and uh, Brother Tom Hayes was preaching for them, and Brother Squire Parsons was singing. That was a double whammy. We enjoyed them both. But uh, brother Hayes had been preaching on the book of Ruth. I believe the song uh, uh, "He Redeemed Me" by Squire Parsons on the book of Ruth was was written after hearing Tom preach through that. Maybe I don't think it was at that time, but at previous time preaching through the book of Ruth, and. Uh, As Tom Hayes preached that morning, he preached on Obed. Some of you remember his name. He was the child born to Ruth and Boaz, who became the grandfather of David, according to the genealogy that's in Ruth 4. And as brother uh, Hayes preached, he mentioned that Obed, which is the word to serve in Hebrew, could also mean worship. And it does have that idea. And so he spoke about Obed as a child, meaning worship, and growing up. And he talked about some of those aspects. But he personified Obed in that way. Well, in some measure, I'd like to do that with praise here against the background of Psalm 100. Praise personified. And as we see that, there are three things that I want us to notice. The first of it is the attitudes of praise. And then secondly, in Psalm 100, to notice the acts of praise. And then finally, to notice the argument for praise that we find here. And and they're threaded throughout the passage, so we'll kind of, not cherry-pick, but but run through the passage in different ways to find that. But if you think about it, if we look at at the idea of of, uh, attitudes of praise, if you will, the how of praise... Uh, the scriptures are clear here on how we ought to do it. Notice the words as they begin there in Psalm 100. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Notice that emphasis on joy. Uh, It's found in a different way. The Hebrew word is the same, but in our King James Version in Psalm 66, it's, it's translated, shout for joy to God all the earth shout for joy now I'm a little more emotional than some people. Uh, I like kidding people, especially when I'm preaching up north because they're a little more subdued than southern folk are, but sometimes southern people do a good job of keeping up with them up there, you know. But uh, uh, when I'm in the black church, it's a little different, you know. They're usually more responsive. They give you some feedback and all, but but that idea of shouting is something that we don't see a lot of. Now, if you're down at Cap Meeting at Peachtree, you might just see a a little bit of that because uh, we've got our good northern Georgia brethren who used to mountain worship and they don't mind to shout out. And among our Baptist forebears, that was the case. The separate Baptists going back to Sandy Creek Church down below Greensboro, uh, they were known as shouters. And uh, one of the reasons for their shouting was they had such joy. That they couldn't express it in words. And so it would take shape in demonstrative shouts of praise. They just yell out. Now I realize sometimes that's scary. <laughs> you know, you might sometimes be in a church and all of a sudden somebody feel the Lord and woo! You know, and you may not be expecting it, it might make your heart skip a beat. But but the idea of joy is what is focused on here. Shout for joy, make a joyful noise. Now, uh, that element of joy is something that I believe sometimes isn't discernible in our worship, in our praise. Because we talk about thanksgiving or we talk about praise, but the element of joy seems to be deflated out of our praise. But the psalmist is clear here, and it's not just seen there in verse 1, make a joyful noise in the Lord all ye lands. But if you'll notice, verse 2 says, serve the Lord with gladness. I wanted to do this earlier, but I apologize for running late. I didn't get to do it. <clears throat> I wanted to look up a song that is very uh, familiar, uh, but it's drawn from the uh, the words of Psalm 100. In fact, the tune is the same as the doxology, and the tune is. Uh, I looked up the wrong number. The tune is in in uh, metrically called Old Hundreds, because back in The 1550s, when Mary ruled over England and killed a lot of people who believed the gospel, many of them fled to Geneva and sat under the ministry of John Calvin there. And John Calvin was seeking to institute a worship that was more scriptural, and so there was an emphasis on the singing of the Psalms. And the English fallout of that, those refugees there in Geneva, who eventually went back to England after Mary's reign was over, uh, they, they wrote what we know as the Genevan Psalter. It's actually in English, even though it's called Genevan, and we also have it as the Scotch Psalter. Twelve. Okay, brother, thank you. I, I saw 10, but I was looking at all hell the power instead of all people that on earth do dwell. And uh, I want you to just listen to these words. In, in uh, This is hymn 12. And it's, again, based on the words of, of Psalm 100. It begins, All people that on earth do dwell sing to the Lord with cheerful voice. Him serve with fear, his praise foretell. Come ye before him and rejoice. Now notice the thought there. All people that on earth do dwell sing to the Lord with cheerful voice. There's verse one. But then it says, "Him serve with fear." his praise foretell. Come ye before him and rejoice. Now, what's interesting is the original version of that is written by those Genevan refugees or English refugees in Geneva was him serve with mirth his praise foretell. Now, mirth is different from fear. Now, I'm not, we know the Bible tells us to fear the Lord, but the idea in verse 2 is serve the Lord with gladness. That's what mirth is. But mirth For some people, I believe, in the later revisions of the hymn, mirth had a little too much of an idea of maybe giddy gladness. And so they changed it. Him served with mirth became him served with fear, his praise foretell. And then they finished out the idea, come ye before him and rejoice. Now, brothers and sisters, I I don't want to by any means uh, minimize the fear of God because we're called to fear him. But the scriptures here speak, serve the Lord with gladness. And I think mirth is, is very uh, appropriate there. Because there ought to be some joy. Uh, this past week, I had some of the choruses that we learned in the black church from years past. One of them says, I get joy when I think about what he's done for me. And you know, when you think about what he's done for you, there ought to be some joy. I was in debt. I was in darkness, and He brought me to light and life. And if that can't, pardon me, but this is going to, I don't want to sound carnal, but if that can't crank the motor of your praise with joy, something's wrong. I was in the land of the dead, spiritually. And He came by my cemetery. And He said to me in my death, David, come forth. And I that was dead came forth. And and when I think about what he's done for me, I get joy. I'm glad this morning for the fact that we can rejoice in our praise. That's one of the attitudes that marks praise. Joy and gladness. And brothers and sisters, I, I believe in the life of God's people That needs to be more present because we are told in 1 Thessalonians 5, that chain of commands that marks it from about verse 17 onward, we're told rejoice evermore in everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you we're to rejoice and then we're told to give thanks maybe that rejoices to season the thanksgiving isn't it in other words there ought to be that attitude that marks us in our praise to God and, and, and so we, we find this element that is one of those attitudes of praise that we ought to have and uh, when we consider that I think about the uh, fruit of the Spirit, the ninefold fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5. Paul, by inspiration, wrote to the believers there at Galatia as he told them to walk in the Spirit. Remember, there were those who were trying to lead them back to law. And and Paul points out the nature of that old covenant in contrast with the new. And he points out that the, the old covenant was to be like Hagar, which was to be a servant to Sarah, in other words, and when when Abram tried to have children by Hagar, they were children of bondage because Hagar's purpose wasn't to have children. Hagar's purpose was to serve Sarah. And the old covenant's purpose was to serve the new covenant to point us to the need that we have for salvation by grace through Jesus Christ. And and Paul makes that clear. And then he goes on to point out how the Spirit will lead us into fruitful living against which there is no law. And that is first three things, remember? Love, joy, peace. Joy there is at the Center of those first three aspects of the ninefold through the Spirit. To me, that's significant because I I, I don't want to, I'm getting happy while I'm talking about it, but I I don't want to overdo it. But I remember when He first saved me and the joy that filled my soul, the joy that flooded my heart because my sins had been washed away. I knew that I was clean. You see, I'd gone to church, but I was hog filthy when I came to Christ. And to feel clean again, it brought joy to my soul. What, what goodness there was that God showed me. And, and I, had, I had joy... And there was love and peace, yes, but, but there was joy. And I remember when I was a young believer back during those days, some of y'all may remember Sammy Hall. He was, I think, out of Sanford, but he, Sammy Hall Singers. Uh, I think he'd been saved out of life of drug, drug addiction, but Sammy Hall used to sing the song, If You're Happy, Notify Your Face. Take that frown off and put a smile in its place. If you know Jesus, then tell it to the human race. If you're happy, notify your face. And sometimes as believers, we fail to notify our face that we've got joy in our heart. And uh, somebody said we're like a pasta meeting. <laughs> eating fruit among the briars, you know. (laughs) We're real careful, you know. And we don't have to be that way. There's reason for joy in Jesus. And really, there's no reason for joy outside of Jesus. Because joy, as it's distilled by the Spirit of God, only is known in union with Jesus. You can't know it outside. it. You might know a temporary ephemeral happiness But you can't know real joy outside of the Lord Jesus Christ and union and relationship with Him by the grace of God and the gospel. And that, brothers and sisters, is why the psalmist could say here in this psalm of praise, make a joyful noise, shout for joy. And he could say, serve the Lord with gladness. And that is the predominant attitude here. Now, there are other things that are said, but as far as the attitudes of praise, that's the predominant one. Cheerfulness, gladness, rejoicing, joy. As a matter of fact, it's not found here alone. If you would just turn back with me to Psalm 32 and Psalm 33, and notice how Psalm 32 closes and how Psalm 33 begins. As David, by inspiration, sings that great psalm of forgiveness, Psalm 32, it begins with the words, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and in whose spirit is there is no guile. David is talking about true blessing this year that comes from the knowledge of sin forgiven. Now notice how he ends the psalm, verses 10 and 11. And notice the contrast there in Psalm 32. Many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he that trusteth in the Lord, mercy shall compass him about. Be glad in the Lord, and rejoice, ye righteous, and shout for joy, all ye that are upright in heart. Notice the ending. At the one hand, verse 10 says, many sorrows shall be to the wicked. Now, we have sorrow as believers too. But brothers and sisters, here's the beauty of us as believers with our sorrows. They have an expiration date. Child of God, don't forget, your sorrows have an expiration date. The wicked's sorrows have no expiration date. They will continue forever. But child of God, your sorrows have an expiration date. Many sorrows shall be to the wicked. But he that trusts in the Lord, mercy is going to encircle him. Mercy encompasses him. And earlier it said about David, it said in verse 7 about the Lord, Thou shalt, encompass, thou shalt compass me about with songs of deliverance, Eli. That's the last part of verse 7. In other words, God encircles us. But how does it encircle us? With singing now I realize that some would want to read that that David the psalmist was singing while God had served but I don't believe that's what he said David sung yes but I believe our God sings over us Zephaniah 3.17 will back that up the Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty he will sing will rejoice over thee with joy he will rest in his love he will joy over thee with singing I know what I sing about him Amazing grace. Wonderful grace of Jesus. Marvelous grace of our loving Lord. I know that I've got something to sing about in Him. But here's the real kicker. He sings about us, child of God. He looks at us, His people, and He joys over us with singing. Ooh. That ought to make you rejoice right there, shouldn't it? That He looks at us and He says, "Ooh!" And I, let me just... We need to move on, but I'm, I, I'm glad the Lord let us plant our... Steak right here a minute. Those words in Genesis, Hagar hears. And she says, as God's looking on her, Thou, God, seest me. She calls the well, which means well of the living, seeing one. And she ain't named it. She said, Thou, God, seest me. And I remember years ago reading the devotional that said this. An older woman was speaking, a believer, speaking to a younger sister in the Lord. She said, dear heart, don't let anybody mislead you. Some people will tell you those words, thou God seest me, that it means you better be careful because God is watching out. Ready to mess up. She said, don't take it that way. You look at those words, thou God seest me this way. He loves you so much he can't take his eyes off of you. And I say that's more biblical because he set his love on us before time began. He fixed his love on us in Christ. Pitched his love, as the old Puritan said, before the world began. Couldn't couldn't take his mind or his heart off of us before the world began. Child of God, that love doesn't alter. So you and I have got something to sing about. We've got got reason to praise Him. And so there ought to be joy in our lives. But I said, notice as well, after David ends on that note in Psalm 32, notice how Psalm 33 begins rejoice in the Lord ye righteous O ye righteous for praise is comely for the upright and then he mentions even bringing in the instruments in verse 2 with harp and psaltery an instrument of ten sings sing a new song and so we see the, the element of joy there in Psalm 32 and Psalm 33 that Psalm 100 speaks of by way of attitude let's go back to Psalm 100 brothers and sisters and, and having thought about that attitude of praise let's now think about the acts of praise. The the activity of praise. What does praise do? We we see how she does it. But what does she do? Well, she makes a joyful noise. And and that's rounded out in verse 2 by, Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. Now, I've not been noted for my singing voice in many Uh, occasions. (laughs) Judy's laughing. (laughs) Uh, Now Sammy, her husband, did give me a real compliment one time. We were preaching over at Johnson Memorial in Northeast Guilford County and Brother Larry Andrews, uh, who was Sammy's cousin, that, uh, uh, Loved to sing, and his son Ricky can tear up a piano in a good way. Uh, I mean, he's a pianist, a church pianist. Uh, well, we were after service one night. Sammy was with us, and uh, we were we were singing, and uh, we broke out in the old song. Some of you may remember the baptism of Jesse Taylor, and. Uh, I started singing, and boy, they told me I carried it well. I hadn't been told that that often with singing. But as a matter of fact, one preacher's wife, you may remember Al Bean, brother. Brother Al Bean, his wife, Sister Joanne Bean, she's now passed on. She, she died after Brother Bean. Uh, she had Alzheimer's real bad. But uh, Sister Bean asked me one time, she said, Brother David, I want you to sing in the garden. She said, it's three blocks from here. <laughs> <laughs> She said, Brother David, I want you to sing in on a hill far away. And she said, the farther away, the better. <laughs> so, so, you know, she was letting me know what. And, and, and that's not all. I, there was a deacon one time in a church that I served below Raleigh there as assistant pastor. Uh, uh, he was a deacon, brother Buck. John, he could sing good. I've heard some song a song recently he used to sing. He'll hold to my hand. Remember that when it's over, Death River. He could sing that, and he had a good high tenor voice. He sat in front of me. I sat behind him. That was his misfortune. And uh, he told me one time after service, he said, "Brother David, you know what you need to do." He said, "You need to get one of them cassette tapes." And you need to make a recording of your singing, and you need to take that cassette tape and throw it in the trash can. <laughs> well, brothers and sisters, I don't mind that. I I understand, you know. But but the thing is, when he saves you, you get a song, and, and that's what that new song is. It was back there in Psalm thirty three. Sing to the Lord a new song. It's in Psalm 96 and in Psalm 98 as well. Sing to the Lord. It's, it's really in the Psalms throughout. And Isaiah picks up on that new song. And Revelation ends with it. And, and that's why the hymn writer said, And when in scenes of glory I sing the new, new song, twill be the old, old story that I have loved so long. You see... We're singing a new song. The old song of creation was marred by the fall. But the God of grace determined that the old song would be replaced by a new song. And so there's a song that is a new creation song. And you and I who by grace have a new birth, we're singing that new creation song and we've learned that new song and because of that the joy that we have leads us to sing sometimes it's spontaneous sometimes we we may not even be thinking of a song and all of a sudden something will bubble forth in us why? because the spirit of God is leading us and by the way too our Lord Jesus is leading us in Psalm 22 quoted in Hebrews chapter 2 it says of him I will declare thy name unto my brethren in the midst of the church. I will sing praise to thee. And He's the one who is, if you will, the heavenly song leader. Who leads his churches throughout the world in praise. As he guides us. And I think about even these words of the Psalms. Think about it. In his flesh. As the God man. These were psalms of praise that he sung to his father, and his God. So we can think of that. But brothers and sisters, the acts of praise—they think, what does praise do? It includes. Singing It includes service, verse 2. Serve the Lord with gladness. And, and the idea of serve can mean worship, but it, but it encompasses more than that. And something that was recovered during the Reformation by Martin Luther and also William Tyndall as they wrote about the obedience of the Christian man and, and uh, the, the life that we're to live is that all of life becomes worship for the child of God. And, and, and they, they saw no distinction between holy orders and secular life because they realized that a man who is plowing the field, if he loves the Lord, is doing holy business for his God. You see, we serve him that way, that all of life becomes service. And as it were, thanksgiving is translated into thanksgiving. And that's the idea of serve the Lord with gladness. But something else that we notice about the, the acts of praise is that it's marked by, uh, by uh, lost of thought, but that's okay. Oh, acknowledgement, excuse me, verse 3. Know ye that the Lord he is God... There's an acknowledgement that comes with praise. That's part one of the acts of, of real praise. Knowledge, acknowledgement, or recognition of who God is. Most people, I believe, don't give God praise because they don't know Him. They don't acknowledge, they don't recognize who He is or what He's done. And, and, and that's why... I realize that a lot of Christianity today or Christendom in our country is taken with practical sermons. And and there's nothing wrong with practical messages. The Bible is very practical. But somehow that is said in such a way as to deny doctrinal preaching or to deny preaching that is oriented toward God, theological preaching. But brothers and sisters, to know Him... And to love Him because we know Him, it all make a difference in our lives. And if it doesn't, then we don't really know Him like we should. So knowing Him becomes the foundation. And remember, that's what our Lord Jesus said in John seventeen three: Eternal life is, and this is life eternal, that they may know Thee, the only true God, in Jesus Christ, whom Thou sent. Now, what's interesting is that word praise there in the in the inscription, a psalm of praise, and that word, thanksgiving in verse four, enter into his gates with thanksgiving. It is the Hebrew word, Toda, Toda, not Yoda. <laughs> Don't think about that Star Wars. I didn't get much into that anyway. I was never a sci-fi fan, but Toda. But the word Toda in Hebrew is built around the word Yada. Which is the word to praise, but it's connected with the word Yada to know. And, and, and the Greek translation of the Old Testament translates the word Yada as homologeo. And some of you will recognize that's the word in 1 John 1:9 that means confess, if we confess our sins. Why did the Greek translator translate it, confess? Because to confess literally is to say the same thing as. In other words, when I truly confess my sin, I say the same thing about it that God does. It's wrong, Lord, forgive me. And similarly, to praise Him is to say the same thing about God that He says about Himself. In other words, He's given us a book and that book declares who He is. And if we're going to praise Him rightly, we've got to say what this book says about Him. Which means we've got to know it and know Him through it by His Spirit. So the, the, the thought of what thanksgiving is, is in terms of giving praise to Him, to confess in full, to make full acknowledgement of who He is, to praise, to celebrate. So those are some of the acts of worship, brothers and sisters. But there's another aspect of it. Most of what we've said now could be thought about as personal praise. But in verse 4, we are told this, Enter into His gates with thanksgiving, and into His courts with praise. Be thankful unto Him and bless His name. That idea of His courts and that idea of His gates takes us to the tabernacle in David's time or to the temple in Solomon's time in other words it speaks about a place where according to Deuteronomy God said he would set his name and God's people were not only to personally praise him individually and singularly they were also to be involved in public praise of him and that public praise was in a gathering of his people and and, and that is something that they were to be marked by And, and it's not changed even though we no longer have a temple today as they did in Old Testament times we do have a temple but not as they did now you and I have become the temple individually our bodies are the temple but also Paul says to the Corinthians as a church in 1 Corinthians 3 ye are the temple of God. And as it were, brothers and sisters, each church of the Lord in this world has become a place where He said His name and has become a temple for His glory. And we're to gather publicly too. Now, I realize that a lot of people want to say on a Sunday morning, said, I can worship God as good on the golf course as I can with His people. Well, you might do that when you're on Saturday, but if you're missing the gathering of His people, you're failing to praise Him like you ought because the acts of praise include include public gathering with His people where He has said His name. Now, again, in the Old Testament, that was the temple. That was the tabernacle at Shiloh, and then that was destroyed, and they rebuilt, moved it to Gibeon. But then Jerusalem became the place where the temple was built. And we're to enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. And let me just give you the short run on this last part here, if I may. The argument for praise. Please come in. I'm sorry. Just have a seat. We're finishing up. This. They've got a long-winded speaker this morning. <laughs> uh, the argument for praise here, the why of praise is... And it's several places, but just quickly, verse 3. Know ye that the Lord, He is God. Jehovah is God. And then notice that thought. It is He that hath made us and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Those words, it is He that hath made us. Those words reflect the reality of God's creatorship. And that's something the Bible affirms from Genesis 1 onward. is He that made us. You won't find in the Scriptures, from goo to you by way of the zoo, evolution in other words. You won't find that idea of a primordial soup that came from nowhere. And the sun somehow which came from nowhere baked. And somehow life... No, it is He that has made us and not we ourselves. God is the maker. God is the creator. God is the fashioner of all things. And along with that, specifically for us who know Him, we are His people and the sheep of His pasture. By His grace, He has made us His flock. And He is our shepherd. And because of that, we can say, the Lord is my shepherd. We can hear the voice of Jesus say in John 10, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep. And I give unto them eternal life. And they shall never perish. And then, brothers and sisters, another of those reasons or argument for praise found in verse 5, For the Lord is good, His mercy is everlasting, and His truth endureth to all generations. The goodness of the Lord, that, that speaks of His person. But in that goodness... It's marked by mercy and truth. Somehow they get separated in our thinking, but in the person of our God through the Lord Jesus Christ, those things are joined as Psalm 85.10 says. Mercy and truth are met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. Where would that happen? At the cross. And there through the work of the Lord Jesus, God becomes just, and justifier of him who believes in Jesus. I remember hearing Brother King Clark from Pontiac, Michigan mention those words of Psalm 85, 10 one time, righteousness and peace have kissed each other. And he said when they kissed, righteousness said, I've had my eye on you a long time. I've been waiting for this moment. And they kissed one another. God be praised. They were blessed to be able to enjoy the goodness of God. Thank you for your time. I was telling him, "Come on in. We had a long-winded teacher this morning in Sunday school, <laughs> Brother Kevin. Thank you. We appreciate that word this morning, and, and from uh, the Word of God, how we should have Thanksgiving and praise in our hearts to Him all time. You're at liberty. Thank you, brother."